Welcome to Nahum Connections Podcast, Voices in Patient Access. Here, industry experts contribute their voices about popular patient access topics, including career development and leadership, revenue cycle operations, healthcare regulations, and the patient experience. If you like what you hear today, subscribe or leave a review where you listen to podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of the Nahum Connections podcast. I'm Nicole Fountain, Nahum Publications Committee Chair. I also serve as Vice President of Revenue Cycle at UChicago Medicine in Chicago, Illinois. I am excited to be back again moderating this conversation on education and revenue cycle management and patient access. Today, I am feeling very privileged to have the opportunity to speak with a few exceptional educators and leaders who are taking innovative approaches and inspiring their teams in the field of patient access and revenue cycle management. I'm thrilled to sit down with these three NAHAM leaders who are willing to speak about their insight and experiences. So without further ado, I'm gonna introduce to you Nathaniel Davis III, Shelley Lowry, and Jan Mitchell. Welcome everyone to our NAHAM Connections podcast. Thank you, glad to be here. Thank you, guys. I'm so thrilled to be here. Yes, thank you for the opportunity. This is amazing. Yes, we're going to have fun today. So before diving into our conversation, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Maybe give us a little bit about your career in patient access, how you got involved in NAHAM, and why don't we start with Nathaniel? Yes, thank you again. I've worked for, currently living in Atlanta, I work for Grady Memorial Hospital. And I've been at Grady for going on six years, and I'm a revenue cycle trainer. With that, obviously, we know comes huge responsibilities because I am the one that is changing the lives of the new hires, pretty much, I like to say. And basically, Nahum actually was approached to me when I went to our Gamma Association convention. I had the opportunity to speak at Gamma, and they liked it so well that they wanted me to put in a proposal to speak at the annual Nahum convention. And that's what I did. And I got accepted. And I just recently taught a leadership class on the challenge of storytelling and leadership and got a good response. And so now I'm here. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And um, it's how I met you at the national conference and sat in on that session. And everybody was very engaged and inspired. So thank you for doing that for Mm -hmm. us all. Shelly, you want to go next? Sure. Hi, Nicole. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I I hate to talk about it because, you know, it shows my age, but I started as a registrar back in 1989. I've been in revenue cycle, whether it be in training or billing or just both sides of the spectrum from patient financial services to registration. So I've, I've gone through the whole cycle. And it's been 36 years. I'm currently with the University of Chicago Medical Center. I did have a chance to speak at NAHAM back in 2016 for New Orleans. And and I spoke about the power of training or the power of education and empowering people to help them realize that this is not just a job. it, It can be and is a career. So it seemed to, I watched, I watched some miracles happen as we did that. So I am a true believer on education 
and we'll continue that until I retire in about what five years, hopefully. <laughs> oh, oh, this is no, I'm just kidding. Thanks, Shelley. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Shelly, for being here. And Jan, you just um, have made a transition within Mayhem, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, thank you again for having me. So I've been in the revenue cycle space, healthcare. Six years, actually, as of last week, May 15th, was my six-year anniversary with IU Health or Indiana University Health in Indianapolis, Indiana. My journey in patient access, I started as a scheduler and just worked my way up, became a senior scheduler or a SME, as we call them, subject matter experts, and then became a supervisor over the contact center which we have one of the largest contact centers in the state, in Indianapolis rather, and then transitioned recently over into the educator role. And that's really what drew me to education is because of the love for patient access. I was like a lot of new hires coming in. I'm thinking, okay, let me just get my foot in the door and work my way around and see where I can go and grow and found out my life, my passion became patient access. I first heard about Nahum through our company newsletter they were talking about the child certifications. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you can be certified to do what we do. So I joined that. And actually through my proctor, she advised me about IHAMA, which is the Indiana group. And then IHAMA led to Nahum. And I became an instant member, started with the communications and publications, volunteered my time there for a little while. And then in 2019, the same proctor, Terry Rice, encouraged me to run for the Midwest Regional Delegate. And I'm like, are you kidding? I, I don't know about that. So I ended up running for it and actually accomplished and actually became the Midwest Regional Delegate for Nahum for the past two years and had the privilege of representing the six Midwest states for patient access professionals. So that's my journey with Nahum. I am a Nahum lifer. So you will never get rid of me. <laughs> and so I just love Nahum. And that's really what brought me here. Like the others, I wanted to make an impact in the lives of the team members. I wanted to, to be more than just a job for them. This is a career and not only just a career, but it's an educational tool that you can use what you learn. I always tell my team members what you learn through me is not only good for learning how to do your job well, but you can also educate those in your community as well, too, and keep spreading abroad and letting people know what patient access is and how valuable our roles are. Oh my gosh, you guys have already inspired me. I hope we don't just have management associates listening to us today. I'd love to believe that many of our listeners are, are frontline or new to the industry and, and are going to already be thinking about what they could do with their careers because the sky is the limit. And here we are with three people who have shown that you can do some really cool stuff in patient access and with the support of Nahum as well. So, all right, let's get going here. Jan, you kind of started this already, but I'll pitch it back to you to see if you have anything to add. What inspired you specifically to become an educator? Yes, thank you. So what inspired me was to see our patient access professionals grow. Again, I didn't want it to be just a job somewhere they were just coming to get a paycheck. I wanted them to feel valued as human beings and know that their role in education and educating, being educated as a patient access professional is detrimental. I often share in my training classes how I came into the healthcare field because I was on the other side of healthcare for so many years. 
My now late spouse went through a um, event. We had a traumatic event in my life where my late husband suffered a spinal cord injury. And because of that, he broke his neck in three places. I was his caregiver and his advocate for the last five and a half months of his life. And every interaction that I made with patient access professionals, whether it's from the registration to the nursing staff, which are part of patient access overall, it really made my day. It made or broke my moment. And so I had a lot of positive experiences behind that. And I learned a lot how to balance the patient side as well as the front end side and having that compassion for both spectrums, having said on that. So I wanted to pour that into my team members because in all sense of the word, we're all our patients somewhere, whether you're just seeing your primary care physician, whether you're just taking your child, we're all patients in someone's healthcare experience. And so how we desire to be treated is the way we ought to treat others. And that inspired me also to build and create the customer service training course that I do have that have developed at IU Health. And it teaches that core part, that customer service piece, that emotional intelligence, being able to pour back into the community, into your patients, what has been given to you. And in a positive light, even if it was negative, make it positive and be that inspiration. So I wanted to be that person to come in and say, you know what? You may feel like you're just answering calls, but no, you're a life changer. You're a world changer. That's how I address them. You're a world changers. You're making an impact in healthcare one patient at a time just by how you answer those phones. So I wanted to motivate them and encourage them to think bigger, think of the bigger picture and in a broader scope. Oh, those are powerful words already. Be a world changer. I love it. Shelly, what about you? Uh, What inspired me was true self-reflection, I believe. As I started, you know, my career back in 1989, like I said, I was a registrar. And I remember, you know, getting stacks and stacks of of corrections that needed to be made from the billing office. They would walk back and they would hand me this stack and they'd say, these are what needs to be corrected. And I thought, oh, I'm doing rough here. This is an awful job, right? And it wasn't until I got to the the billing side of revenue cycle and the patient financial services, and I started doing a lot of contract managed care and understanding really truly what is involved in healthcare and the revenue cycle. And I thought, these people, you know, we, and I, I put myself back there and I thought, registrate, you know, I'm fixing registration errors and I'm trying to correct things for them. And I thought... And I put myself back there and I said, nobody ever came and said, this is how you do it or or taught me what I knew. You know, those 36 years of knowledge that I gained going through the revenue cycle, nobody teaches it and nobody tells them what we need to do or what our patients need us to do in order to get things where we need to get them, right? So I think what inspired me is true reflection and then wanting to be the voice of the people. I wanted to go back out and be their voice and be their, you know, their mentor and and say, hey, this is why we're doing what we're doing. It's it's not a click here, click there. There's a lot entailed to it. And and there's a lot behind the scenes that, that you just don't see. So I just wanted to be the voice for the people, I think. Great, Shelly. Thank you. And Nathaniel, what about you? What inspired you to go into education? Basically, mine is more so of a personal route, if you may say, is growing up, 
learning of disabilities, learning that I always felt I was totally different from everyone else in the classroom. But I love to inspire people, always have. That's always been a part of me. But as I was growing up, you know, going through a stuttering problem, going through a speech problem, did not really know how to communicate with my peers, my friends, and always getting looked down upon, belittled, or even, let's just go ahead and say it, bullied, right? I felt like when I came out of that, I was like, I didn't want anybody else to go through what I went through. You know what I'm saying? And so then as I was growing and maturing, I was like, how can I relate this to what I'm going to be doing every single day of my life? And so with that, I became blessed to find the hospital industry. And then I was blessed to find, hey, I found my little notch, my little kink, as I like to say, is is coaching, is mentoring, it's inspiring others, it's making people laugh, being a little unorthodox, I would say. And with that, I kind of mapped out this plan with myself. And this plan was that, let's just face it, I was okay having my learning disability. I was okay being unorthodox. I'm okay with being who I am initially, right? How can I grow for this? So when you ask that question, what inspired you to become an educator? I looked at that word inspired and I was like, you know, this is not about past tense. This is about today and moving forward, right? I am still becoming an educator. I'm still mentoring. I'm still coaching. I'm still trying to be the best friend I can possibly be to my friends, right? So it's all about, to me, learning and growing. And sometimes you have to become the student in a classroom setting when it pertains to something like this. Because just like Jan and, you know, and Shelly stated earlier, it's about changing lives. This is more than just a job. This is bigger than oneself. And when you realize that, and when everything comes together, then there's something special to come out of it. Because I think a lot of people focuses on more of, oh, you're the trainer, so you're going to know everything. And I'm the first to tell you, you know what? I don't know everything. You may work for an organization that you may come back and teach me, and then I become the student. And so I will gather your thoughts, your ideas, transform that, and give it back out. And that's what still to this day inspires me, because I'm learning different cultures, different diversities. Even when I went to Nahum, the way you know certain organizations do things, how they teach, I took all of that. I'm like, how can I transform this, bring in my personal trials and tribulations and positive points? and bring it out to my students and then become the student, you know, that's why I became an educator, basically, pretty much. Yeah. I love these themes that you all are sharing and this idea of lifelong learning and changing lives. It's actually one of the things I love about the Nahum Conference as well, because you just get surrounded by people who think similarly and and just have that passion for 
helping others and lifting people up and sharing knowledge and and just helping everyone be better and and do better. And maybe that sounds a little bit cheesy, but I'm I'm seeing, you know, our listeners can't see you guys nodding, but I can see you nodding and it's certainly something that you all clearly inspire in others. So, I'm excited to keep this conversation going and hear a little bit about how you guys do what you do every day. So, let's move along to another question. How do you approach the training of access professionals to ensure they are equipped with the necessary skills and knowledge? And let's start with Nathaniel for this one. Thank you. Very good question. And I actually get asked that all the time, even from higher leadership. How do you get everybody so calm in your class? And I take the, and that's my first approach, actually, always trying to create a calm environment. That is the most important thing because everybody that comes into your classroom, especially new hires, the anxiety is at an all-time high. You never know what the person is going through. You don't know their background. And I take that as a challenge. So when I start my class, basically, I call it the challenge. I always title it and get away from what we have known now, patient access because that anxiety level, and we already know about mental health and where it is today. So I usually start with a quote that I created, and that quote is, I'm going to challenge you, I'm going to test you, I'm going to be your biggest enemy, but yet your most honored friend. And as you may think about that quote, and I challenge them to think about that quote, they always think about me as the individual, as the trainer, as the educator, and possibly their mentor, right? But then I started to realize, you know, they're starting to realize, I'm sorry, their minds have now opened up because now I'm trying to get them to see, hey, you know what? It's not about me. It's about you now. All these challenging mentalities is about you and what you're about to embark on, right? So then I take it into, I take that and I go outside of the structure I tell them my first thing, I'm going to be the most probably unorthodox trainer you will ever have in your whole entire life. And I pride myself on that because I give them things that they can take and utilize in life as well as in the classroom. For example, when we go ahead and break the ice, I said, why did you choose Grady or did Grady choose you? And then my next one is, what would you change on your life journey? And then I was to ask, anything that you do every day, do you believe that certain thing that you're talented in will make you famous? You will be amazed of all the answers I get and how vulnerable everybody becomes without even knowing that they're becoming vulnerable. And so with that, not only are other people listening, their classmates listening, they're also becoming a team. And I'm big on team because I'm a huge sports fan. So I'm big on team and strength in numbers. And I want them to build on that because we're in the classroom. People tell me all the time, oh, I'm a cook. I would become famous cooking. And I'm like, okay, so at the end of class, we're going to have a little potluck. And I guess you're going to give us the menu, right? And everybody starts laughing. And that right there lets me know, you know what? This is going to be a good week. This is going to be a good time because we're learning from each other. And who's to say, maybe patient access is not for you. Maybe you've been blessed to move on to something else. 
But hey, you still have relationships in this classroom and moving forward that you can take and probably build your own business. Who knows? And that creates professionalism. So with that, that's how I create young professionals. So with the adult learners that come into my class, you know, they're terrified. They're terrified. And this terrifying is, you know, I haven't been in school for hmm, a certain amount of years. How can I retain this information? So I always try to gather something around them as well, but keep it on the same level as everybody else, because that is a struggle for some. Some, you know, just need that time and know that somebody cares. So I create my little unorthodox structure around the challenging method in what they do. I don't even do, I hate the word assessment. I hate the word test. (laughs) And that's my thing. But standing under, you know, the policy and guidelines, I have to deliver that. And I even have a way of giving my tests that is so unorthodox that we can talk about a little bit later. But that's how I kind of start my class. And I take that same approach with leaders and professionals because I ask them, if I'm in a leadership class, the first thing I say, take off your badge, take off your badge. The reason I do that is because I really do not care at this moment about your title. I want you to remember why you are here. I want you to remember the trials and tribulations to get to your spot. And when leaders start looking at that and start remembering that, that opens up their minds. And where their minds start to open, they retain more information to become more creative. And so that is a little about how I structure, so to speak, my class and how I deliver, you know, my operational standards and objectives for my new hires, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely does. And and I love how you talked about doing things in new and interesting ways. So I'll uh, I'll go to Shelly next. Along those same lines, Shelly, do you have any examples of innovative training initiatives or approaches that you've implemented? Uh, I, I like ND3 here. I have a little bit of that coaching background where You know, when you get a new class in, it's not really a class that you're promoting the team atmosphere and and that's your team, right? So you're starting off with a green team and you've got to figure out where to get them to where they got to be. And just making those personal connections, putting some personal aspect into, I'm here for you. I understand how you feel and calling it out and being real with it right? You got to be real. You you can't hide up there and you can't just click this button, click this button. You have got to make personal connections. And through laughter and, and feeling, you'll be able to connect with them in a way that they listen and they comprehend and they get what you're saying. And you will then inspire them to just want to be better. Their minds, like ND3 said, their minds will open up and they're yours at that point. So, Once you've made that connection at the beginning of a class, then you're good to go and and we keep it going throughout the entire sessions, regardless of what you're teaching. It's not what you teach, it's how you teach it, right? And the connections you make to your students or to those people, that makes the biggest difference. I'm really hearing some themes here. And, And I know, Jan, you also have some strong connections to 
helping others, mentoring, coaching. What are some of the things that you have done in your educational initiatives that have been innovative or a little bit different? Yes, thank you. Yes, so differently. And first of all, before I even answer that question, my two new best friends are Nathan and as Shelly. So I'm claiming you also. (laughs) All right. Let me just say, I met Nathaniel at conference and I went, this guy's going to want to meet some people. And then I was talking to Jan and I went, oh my gosh, I got to get these three together. Like they are going to totally sync up and they have so much in common. So I'm glad that yes, you guys that's are exactly what that she said. That's exactly you, what yeah. she said. I see you and I see you as the current version of myself about 10 years <laughs> ago. So it's like looking in a mirror. <laughs> it's amazing. That's awesome. Yes. Thank you. So welcome new friends. Yeah. So innovative. I, I'm going to say I starting, I do the kind of same foundational. It's really about meeting people where they're at, meeting them on a common ground. And so that's really what inspires me as well too. Like the others, I have a plan in place and I, you know, me and Mr. Davis, we think alike because I'm the same way. I want them to know, to make it personal. So it doesn't separate just the job from work. Yes, they are separate entities. And I do believe in balance and I do teach them balance, but I'm also a life learner as well, too. I ask them questions about themselves, what's going on in their lives. I want to get to know them as people, because if you can't help the natural part of them, the part that they deal with every day, it's hard to teach them something new. So I want to stay open to that. We also incorporate, um, like you said, um, for example, with the businesses, I had quite a few people because I'll ask something, what's interesting about yourself? What can you tell me that, you know, that is most interesting about yourself? And most people say, well, you know, I don't have anything really interesting. And then they drop this bomb, life shattering secret. And it's like, okay, so you told me you didn't, but this is actually very inspirational. But I do point it back to the professionalism with our last class. I asked them for all of those that were authors. I had many authors. I had musicians. I had business owners in the class, uh, young and older. And I told them, I said, well, you know, drop your links in the chat, you know, because even though we meet on site in person, I still talk with them through teams just to give it still we honor the social distancing and so forth. And I told them, drop your links in the chat. Tell us about your job. And I stress to them the importance of networking and building, because I say even like Daniel mentioned, even if patient access, um, you're blessed to move beyond that. Don't burn those bridges because you never know what kind of partnerships you could build and how they can help you in the personal aspect and even in your um, your field here with us. And I tell them all the time, you know, I share examples because I, I, I'm very real and I'm like, again, like Nathaniel, I'm very unorthodox. I follow the policies and the procedures, but I also, like Shelly said, I keep it real. I keep it honest. I keep it 100%. I speak in layman's terms. I know how to speak in the clinical terms, but I keep it at a pace where they can follow. And then I invite them as well, too, to share and just being being able to listen to them, hear what they're really experiencing is really what opens them up. And it builds that trust because they're looking for someone to trust. They A lot of people have had poor experiences from other organizations they may have worked from. So now they're coming, you know, who can I trust? And I want them to know you can trust me. You know, what you share with me is what you share with me. It's confidential. It's not going out in course unless it's life-threatening or something of that nature. Then I have to follow process and protocol, but it's really meeting them where they're at, teaching them the rules, 
but also keeping it realistic for them. And and one other example before I stop talking, because I feel like I've been talking for like an hour now. So, (laughs) but even when I have a lot of single moms that come through, our position tends to draw a lot of single parents, a lot of single moms, because we do have the remote option to work from home. We have the hybrid option that we offer in our contact center. So it's like, okay, I can work from home and, you know, I still have children, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then I get to speak to them on a personal level of having been a single mom, being a single mom currently now because of widowhood and how to balance that, how to, and then I'm able to provide them daycare resources because of connections I have here in the state with state legislators and leaders that deal with budgets for daycare opportunities. So I am able to share that information with them so that their daycare and their babysitting option is already in place. And they don't have to worry about that and stress about that while trying to learn a new job. So I try to learn and again, meet them where they're at and provide resources to help them to stay where they're at and grow. Looking to grow your skill set and stature within patient access profession? Consider Naham's Certified Healthcare Access Associate or Certified Healthcare Access Manager, the only patient access certifications that meet NCCA standards. Showcase your knowledge, problem-solving abilities, and dedication to your career by becoming NAHAM certified. Visit certification.naham.org to learn more. I love this idea, this theme that I hear, I'm hearing from all of you, which is about caring for the whole person, right? It's not just about, did you do A, B, and C in the right order, the right way, but it's about who you are as a person and, and lifting each other up. And I think especially for patient access, that's so important because you're modeling the behavior that we then want our associates out there doing for our patients as well, right? Like you're not just putting an armband on a wrist, you're doing it with care and empathy and and really helping people when maybe they're not having a great time of life in general sometimes. So gosh, this is so inspiring. Jan, you mentioned a couple times just then about technology. So can any of you share a little bit about how you leverage technology in the education space? I'm huge with technology. That's kind of the first things I kind of joke with people with is about my superpower right? Hence why I love Marvel. And I get people laughing when I say, oh yeah, I'm a big kid. You know, I feel like I'm the Tony Stark of the hospital industry without working in IT because I think technology is so beautiful. And I understand those that cannot really understand technology, but I try to put it in the way as I'm teaching to get them to understand. And as a matter of fact, I even use it as a kind of a gimmick for when they are about to take their assessment or they need to look up in the resources. Just like Jan, I use Microsoft Teams as well. And I house and I hot, well, I house and hide tip sheets and things of that nature within Microsoft Teams. And I want them to go on a little scavenger hunt to try to find it. You know, even the ones that say, I'm not used to it. I don't know how to do it. It's amazing how one person in the classroom would know how to do it. And they just take over and show everybody else how to maneuver through Microsoft Teams. It is, it can become so funny. No, you go here, you go here, go here. And as we do know, with the e-check-ins, with kiosks, all these new things that are coming up today with just for patient access, there is kind of a hesitancy because they're like, well, if the computers can do this now, Nathan, are we going to have jobs, right? Technology is taking over. 
So you stated earlier that in the revenue cycle, we always have jobs, but it looks like the technology is taking over so much, they won't need us anymore. And I say, you know what? That's a challenge for you, which goes back to the title of the class. How can you right now implement both of them right now? And you do not like it. I understand you don't like it, but how can you implement both of them right now? And they're like, I don't know how. I said, well, you just did it because you just spent 15 minutes on a scavenger hunt navigating through Microsoft Teams, navigating through the e-check-in process, navigating Epic. I said, Epic is a multi-billion dollar foundational system. I said, do you realize what you're about to do and what you have done? Hence technology. So use that technology for your advantage, and then you take advantage of the technology and do it in reverse. And when they look at it like that, they're like, oh, I may not be a gamer like you, Nathan, but I'm going to rearrange my DAR in Epic how I want it to be rearranged, and then I'm going to go in Microsoft Teams and organize my own folders and da, da, da. Oh, I can call so-and-so, so-and-so. And then next thing I know, I'm getting a call. Nathan, how are they learning Microsoft Teams so fast? I said, well, it's not actually me. It's actually them because they're figuring out the nonsenses of it. And then they're trying to match it with Epic. How can they use it to their advantage? And so I try to introduce Microsoft Teams. I get them to, since they love to text, nobody wants to make a phone call. Text me and let me know how you're doing. If you're in class on time, if something goes on, that's technology. You know, when I say, when you go to the doctor, don't go to the patient access rep right away. Try, if they have an e-check-in process, go to the e-check, go to the kiosk, see how you maneuver through it, take notes. And then if you have questions, then go to the patient access representative. You know, so when you get them to think like, oh, technology is a part of you, the anxiety lessens, because I do understand that question because I get it almost every guys. I'm sure, Shelly, you get it, and Jan, you get it as technology is taken over. I'm scared to use it because we're not going to have jobs anymore. So how can you combat that with giving them some positive hope? And when they realize there's silver lining, it's like, oh, I can make technology. I can make this and use it to my advantage. That's when things open up. That's when things open up. I agree with that. Um, everything that you said, you know, give them an opportunity to challenge them. Sometimes we don't know what we can do until we're forced to do it in a sense. And I'm not saying that you're forcing them, but when you present it back and you just don't accept the reasoning behind it, oh, I, you know, I can't work with technology. Okay. Well, show me, well, how are you? Like you made it very practical. Text me, you know, that's technology. So when you're bringing that back and making it real for them, I think it helps them I love that. It helps them to realize, okay, maybe I can learn this because we can learn anything if we put our mind to it. We really can. And I think that's just something we all face those challenges. Just a quick little story. I remember when I was going back to college after being out of college for over 10 years and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I want this particular degree, but I struggle with math. And the thought came to me, well, you don't go to school because you know you go to learn. And so it's the same thing when they're coming to training, you know, it, even with technology. No, you may not know, but you didn't come because you always know something. You're coming to learn something. 
And as long as we keep our minds open to that learning aspect, we can learn anything. And I do have, um, I've had um, team members come through and they have had the technology challenges. And sometimes it's just as simple as having a one-on-one with them. I have one-on-ones even through our training while I'm training a mass class, we still have our separate one-on-ones and I check in, Hey, how's it going? Is there anything I can show you or help you with? And then at that time, it's, well, you know, I'm struggling with technology because we do use technology even within, um, cause a lot, again, like I said, 90% of our, we have close to 300 contact center members that are remote or have chosen the hybrid option, but 90% is remote. So we're constantly in teams. That's how you communicate with your supervisors. That's how you communicate with your peers if you have any questions. So in training, I teach them how to utilize teams for those who may have never experienced teams in their life. Walking them through that before we even start into the lesson, I want to make sure that you know how to use the technology that we're going to be using. Yes, there are tests that we take, of course, to make sure and confirm that a team member knows how to utilize the tools before coming into this workspace, correct? However, they may not have ever used Teams or they may not have used another system. So I'm taking my time. I'm teaching them Cerner. I'm teaching them uh, Microsoft Teams. And if they do need the additional training after their time with me is gone, I work with their supervisors. Hey, if you need me to spend additional time or provide that feedback, hey, I noticed Susie is having trouble with X, Y, and Z. Can I spend a little bit more time with her? And then I will pull them and hold them until I know that they are successful because I remind them, my job is to make you successful. My goal is to make you successful as you want to be in this position. So I will take that additional time to teach them those additional basic skills outside of what we may be learning through class. Yeah, you guys hit it right on the head. There was not much there that I could add. The one thing that I've tried to do is unlike you, we're on Zoom, so... We get to have fun with some backgrounds and breakout sessions. And so we may have a theme for that class that we've decided on. And and each day you change your background and everybody gets to see a new background the next day or your breakouts to where you send them off with a question and say, okay, what would you do in this situation? And then let them come up with it. Let them collaborate to come up with, this is what I would do, or this is the button I I think we should push, you know, and talk about it as a class. And so breakout rooms are, are really very useful. The other thing that I do say is, thank goodness we have a playground and we're, we are in the, you know, in the education space to where they can push those buttons. You know, I think if you grab them within the class and you get them engaged in the class, they're going to start asking questions. What happens if I go here? Or what happens if I push this? And, and my, my answer is always push it, push it. Let's talk about it and, and be okay to push it. It's okay to push the button, you know, let's go ahead and push it. <laughs> so You've got to make them comfortable enough to say, I'm good and I understand why I'm pushing that button. So I'm just going to go ahead and push it. Like what you hear on Nahum Connections podcast, visit naham.org slash Nahum Connections to catch up with the latest patient access content and insights from patient access professionals and industry experts. You all haven't actually said this word, I don't think, but I'm hearing it from you. I'm hearing it in the way you talk about what you do and the way you interact with people. And and it's this idea that you're building confidence in people and helping them be confident in themselves and empowered in themselves to learn new skills, to take care of others, to be the best that they can be. 
it's really a powerful thought to know that, hey, we're patient access professionals, but back to what Jan said earlier, we're world changers too. That's pretty amazing. Just a couple more questions here. This has been such a great conversation. On a more practical side, I'm sure that the people who work with you are blessed to have a dedicated training program or training resources, but many organizations struggle with funding training. And a lot of, I'm sure our listeners are thinking, oh, that's great, but I don't have a trainer on my team. I'm a manager or a supervisor. Or I don't have time for this. I have to do this all myself. So what advice would you give to someone who really wants to do more with training, but doesn't have any budget money to hire a trainer? I'll go ahead and field that one, Nicole, since basically my training is is to show you my true life experience and to tell my story, right? So I will tell you my story. I came from a facility that didn't have the budget, that didn't have what they needed. And a wonderful person came along and sat by a desk and grabbed somebody from patient financial services and said, you've got things to say. You see the front, you see the back, you see it all. And you've got things to say. And I'll tell you the first class that she pulled me into was the patient access needs to know what you're seeing. And that's the first class I did. I wasn't a trainer. I was working in contract managed care in a billing office. And she pulled me out and said, you need to be up in front of the class. And that's what it takes is you don't need a, a, a whole training regiment or, or people. You need to find the people that are working either in your billing office or know both ends of the spectrum and put that person up in front of the class and say, tell them what you know, right? Tell them what you see, tell them what, and you've got to have that collaboration and that communication. So with those things, I think that you could get away with without having, like I said, the whole training program and and five different trainers and having the budget for it. No, you just need one person that you can pull out and say, this is what you need. This is what you have to do. And this is how you have to do it. I have to piggyback on that, Shirley. Thank you for sharing that because my story is kind of similar. When I first came to Grady, I got hired in actually as a supervisor. And with less than a year, I was doing dual roles. I was the senior trainer and also the supervisor. So you can imagine the job (laughs) duties were quite lengthy. And you know, I went up to my manager at the time. I was like, you know what? I'm seeing a lot of trends that even I'm missing, you're missing, other supervisors are missing. And if we're missing it, our patient access representatives are missing it. So how can we figure out these trends, home in on it, like coordination of benefits? That's a big one. How can we make everybody understand coordination of benefits? Well, with me just asking that question, was like, light bulb went off. We're going to change the way we do things. Nathan, how about you teach a class on customer service? I did not have, I had no idea that was my interview (laughs) when our executive director sat in my customer service class and was like, you know what? You're going to teach this customer service class. Then right after my class, he says, you know what? I think I'm going to change some things. I think I'm going to introduce, give you a little bit of material so you can start training our patients access representatives and give them refresher courses. 
And so that was that right there is where I created my dual role. Then I guess, you know, I am human, right? I guess he looked at me. I was getting burnt out because doing just like you, Shelly, doing two things while can really take the love out of what you're supposed to be doing. And I really appreciate him recognizing that. And they found the money to say, hey, look, boom, we're just going to give you this right here. We want you to handle the training needs and relieve you of the supervisor duties. And to say that, when you have the passion, when you show the intensity, and when you get results and the buy-in and create those building relationships, building those relationships, every single organization for what I've known, will find the money. They will find the money because they see what you're doing. They see in the product because in every revenue cycle department, the main objective is, is to do what? We need money. That's the first thing they say. We bring in the money. So if they see, oh, the trends are going down in coordination of benefits, the denials are going down, oh, we're getting money in, why is that? It's because it started from here, the buy-in went to here, and it went to here, and there we have the pyramid. Oh, we need to formulate, even if it's just a small team of three, that means you're heard. Organizations will find money when money needs to be found. You see what I'm saying? And those passions behind it, those trends to take care of themselves, that's how it builds. So Shelly, it's kind of on your same line. I love what you said because it just reminded me, I kind of started almost the same way. Yeah, They will find you money just to get money inside the doors, even if they want to go play golf, you know? Yeah. And I think that once you see the return of it with your, all the way down to your employee engagement survey, you know, people are happier because they know what they're doing. They feel empowered to make those decisions. And they're happier employees. Your turnover rates will, you know, be non-existent because people want to stay in those positions, right? It's not a come and go. It's it's I'm going to stay and this is my career. And that's where you're going to find the money to expand on that training program. But you might not have it originally, but you just make sure you keep track of watching those trends go down, watching that return come through the door. And once you see that, You'll say, yep, here it is. (laughs) Here it is. I was listening to you guys talk and and I was replaying in my mind that scene in Jerry Maguire where Cuba Gooding Jr. is on the phone with Tom Cruise going, show me the money. (laughs) Show me the money. (laughs) One of my favorite movies, by the way. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) Okay. So we are are wrapping up on our time here. And I just, I'm so happy that I got a chance to talk to you all. and, And I can hear in your voices and the way you tell your stories, you are all such incredible motivators. So what I'd like to do now to go out with a bang is I would love for you all to close with a word to our listeners. Let's encourage them. Let's uplift them. Let's give them something motivational. So why don't we start with Shelly? We'll go to Jan and then Nathaniel, you can bring it home for us. Um, Something motivational. I would say keep going. Keep going. You are valuable. You are important. You make a difference in people's lives every single day. We need you and keep going. Just keep going. 
I have to piggyback on that and say the same, you know, keep going. There are going to be some days that may not feel like your career is rewarding. But again, when you plant a seed somewhere, you don't always see results overnight. It takes time, but keep planting. You are making an impact. You are making a dent in the healthcare system in the way you show up every day to work. So remember your purpose, remember your why, trust what you know, and keep moving forward. Thank you, Jan. I like that. And thank you, Shelly. Mine will have to be is what I go back to what I said earlier to my quote. And this is what I related, Nahum, is I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to test you. I'm going to be your biggest enemy, but yet your most honored friend. And what I wanted those people that sat in my class is to gather their phones, open up their video on their phone, show their mirror to mirror, and repeat that same quote that I just said because you're the only person that can challenge you. You are the only person that can give you the test that nobody else can. You're going to be your worst enemy, not anybody else. And then at the end of the day, you got to try to figure out what makes you happy. And all in that, you will become your most honored friend from there. Create a challenge. Keep challenging yourself. Have a mission statement to yourself. And if you do not know what your mission statement is, Make sure you take the time out to develop one, not what the organization's expectations and standards and objectives are, your own mission statement for your life. And when you figure that challenge and that mission statement out, anything can be done. I promise you, anything can be done because after that, you will truly understand yourself and then you will have the capabilities of understanding our patients that come through the door every single day. So that's what I will leave with you guys. And what a powerful way to wrap it up. Nathaniel, Jan, and Shelly, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights with our Nahum community. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor. The conversation continues on Nahum Connections. For more content specific to career development and leadership, patient experience, healthcare regulations, and revenue cycle operations, visit naham.org slash nahamconnections. That's n-a-h-a-m dot org slash nahamconnections. Plus, Naham members can access a library of on-demand education featuring a breadth of trending topics. Visit naham.org slash webinars on demand to start learning. Not a member, but interested in taking advantage of these valuable resources? Join Naham to arm yourself with community knowledge and resources as you face obstacles in your daily work. Naham offers the year-round education and knowledge you need to help you navigate the unexpected. Visit naham.org slash naham membership to become a member. That's n-a-h-a-m dot org slash naham membership. Thank you to everyone listening today. Until next time.